TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Larry Kruger sitting in for Damon Bruce on this Friday with Ray Ratto. Hope everybody's having a great week, getting ready for the weekend. Niners, Buccaneers go on Sunday. We got Warriors, Celtics on Saturday. We've got the Giants doing, <clears throat> well, are the Giants going to do anything? Um, <laughs> coming out of the winter meetings. Steve Kerr's going to join us tonight at 5 o'clock. Looking forward to that conversation. Good afternoon, Ray. Hi, Dad. <laughs> How you doing? You forgot uh, Morocco and Portugal tomorrow, and then England, France. There you go. England, France, uh, you know, very, uh, very anticipated game. Did you watch uh, Brazil today? You probably did. Oh, I watched them both. They were phenomenal. I hate penalty shootouts, and those games were great anyway. Um, I'm enjoying it. I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not a big uh, soccer head. I'm not a big uh, football fan, but I'm enjoying it. And uh, but man, the off the crossbar in Croatia gets a win today over Brazil. And was were the Brazilians more crushed today, Ray, uh, losing to Croatia, a team that they should have beaten, or were they more crushed when Germany just ripped their heart out in the World Cup years ago? I think they were probably more crushed today because while Germany, I mean. It was a semifinal, but Germany was a mighty side. Croatia is the team that you never think is going to beat you, but they're like roaches. You can't kill them. And so they just hung around and hung around. They scored a goal really late in uh, in extra time and then won the, won the shootout. And, I mean, it's a huge thing for them. I think, I think Brazilians are more bothered by this one than... Than getting routed by Germany, then. you know it, it is so funny though because when we were talking in the uh, in the green room there about this, I mean, I thought when when Brazil lost to Germany and they went down and the, the, you know it was the, the second goal in the third goal and just to see the true devastation on the I, you know the faces of the fans was just incredible to see I, you know we use that word so often our announcers do oh the fans were devastated or this was a devastating defeat and in reality you know more times than that than not they're talking about you know NBA game 46 of 82 and there's no de- they're totally overstating it of devastation was though when Brazil lost to Germany. That was devastation. Well, when you lose by a touchdown in soccer, that's not good. That's not good. That's not good. But 
No, this one I think is going to sting more because even though Croatia got to the final last year, uh, they're not Germany. Not in terms of you know players produced, not in terms of international reputation. I mean, it's conceivable you could lose a team could lose to Germany seven to one, but for Brazilians, it's inconceivable that they lose to Croatia in the quarterfinal. I know, unbelievable. So, we'll by the way, the advantage of this topic, other yeah. than the fact that it's making the Higgy and nuts, right, right, he's going is that there. we haven't Ow. said the name of the Forty Niners' third starting quarterback. <laughs> That's right, Brock Purdy. The longer goes. we can, the longer we can put that off, the better. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to stop right here. Brock Purdy goes Sunday against the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I spent the last two days in Santa Clara inside the Niner locker room. You would never know that. They are on their third quarterback. You would never know that history says they have no chance to win the Super Bowl or even go to the Super Bowl. You would never know that because the confidence in the room around Brock Purdy is legit. I mean, I mean, I didn't just go in there. I went in there. I talked to Debo. I talked to Ayuk. Uh, I talked to uh, um, like three or four other guys. Aaron Banks to a man, Dre Greenlaw. They're touting the toughness, the focus, the intensity of Brock Purdy. And I'll go as far as to say this, and I really believe this. I, I watched all of minicamp. I watched all of training camp. I'm, I'm, I'm watching more practice than I care to watch. Brock Purdy is and has been the 49ers' most accurate quarterback. He is and has been the 49ers' smartest quarterback I really believe that if you just go by the actions of Kyle Shanahan and how he handled Trey, how he's handled Jimmy, how he's handled Purdy, I think Shanahan trusts Purdy more than he trusts those guys. What do you think? Maybe, but he's still a seventh-round pick. Yep. He still has his own flaws. And the 49ers actually are not going to win or lose because of him anyway, unless he throws four picks. He can only lose a game for him by being terrible, but if he's okay, that team's gonna that that game's gonna be won based on, you know, can they run the ball, can they defend, because those are their strengths. The Tampa Bay, just to talk about this weekend, they're a much better team against the pass than they are against the run. So what do you think is going to happen? Kyle Shanahan's going to run the ball. He's going to run it as much as he can, and the defense. You know, they're handling probably one of the weakest teams that Tom Brady's ever led. So I think Brock Purdy is much ado about not a whole lot, to be honest with you, in terms of whether they're going to win or lose. And ultimately, that's what they what they grade you on. Um, there's a writer in the Bay Area that I, people don't talk about a lot, but I think he's really, really damn good. And he wrote a piece today. Oh, what's his name? Jerry McDonald. Oh, he stinks. <laughs> I know you've known him forever. Uh, Jerry McDonald wrote a great piece about how Brock Purdy um, has developed and how he, you know, during the whole draft process, you know, they they basically added five miles an hour of velocity to his passes. And, and it, it took me back to, like, when I watched his college film, I didn't see a quarterback that I thought could make it in the NFL. I saw a diminutive guy that threw too soft of a pass, but they worked with his mechanical adjustments, and his, they, you know, they found that his backstroke was elongated and his front arm had too much movement and he wasn't activating his glutes. Uh, Tiger Woods, thank you. I you think know way too much about that. <laughs> if, if that 
that's where you're going with this. You know, Activating glutes. Go take a walk, buy a dog, learn to knit. <laughs> something. Uh, he created too much elbow extension and elbow flex flexation as he brought his arm up. They made mechanical adjustments. They got him to throw the ball with greater velocity. This guy is letting it rip in short windows, and he's incredibly accurate. But to me, what speaks so loudly is the 37 pass attempts last week. He was 25 of 37 for 210, two touchdowns and a pick, and his snap to throw time was 2.67 seconds. That's a, that was like the fastest in the league among all quarterbacks last week. So the ball's coming out fast. It's coming out accurate. He sees the field. Um, and I think Shanahan, how do you... I mean, and there's only one way to... Shanahan's going to say, oh, I, I believe in Jimmy. Oh, I believe in Trey. He's going to say, never listen to what a guy says. Listen to what he does. Follow what he does. He, he can say what he wants. He threw the ball 37 times last week with his third-string quarterback. That shows a level of trust that he's never demonstrated with Trey. And only, I mean, I didn't look it up because I didn't have the time, but I would guess that Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't made 37 pass attempts more than once, maybe twice in his entire Niner career. So does isn't that clear that Shanahan, despite the Mr. Irrelevant, despite the late seventh round pick don't you think he's almost like basically told us that he trusts purdy more than he trusts jimmy no i don't think we've we've learned anything about that because they ran 79 offensive plays right they had the ball for 40 minutes um i think you know i think it's as telling that the longest completion that purdy had was 19 yards which was shorter than any other starting quarterback that this past weekend I don't think he trusts him yet because I don't think he knows what he's got yet. He, he can't possibly. I mean, he wasn't getting a ton of reps before. Um, so I, you know, I think Purdy is the guy he trusts only because he doesn't have an option. You know, he spent the entire year essentially with one quarterback. It was Trey Lance and then he gets hurt. It was Garoppolo, then he got hurt. Now it's Purdy. I mean... You know, I I don't know that he trusts him or doesn't trust him. I think all we know is he's the guy they got until he gets hurt. And you know, that's it. I mean, and I'm not trying to, you know, demythologize Purdy as much as saying Shanahan doesn't know any more than, well, he knows more than we do because we're, we're morons. But <laughs> he doesn't know what he's got. And that's why I think you're going to see a lot of running plays on Sunday. You know, because it just everything about this point. You think it's gonna be a run-heavy plan against Tampa? Yeah, because Tampa Tampa's a below-average team against the run, and they're very much above-average against the pass. So why would you want your third-string quarterback, no matter how much you may love him, to throw into the teeth of that when you've got the better part of your offensive attack uh, facing the worst part of their defense? It is interesting because uh, Antoine Winfield's got an ankle. They're saying he he didn't practice today. Mike Edwards, uh, the safety at a at a Kentucky hamstring injury, didn't practice today for the Bucks. So there's a chance that Bucks could be without their two top safeties. Does that change the equation into more of a pass happy 
uh, approach because uh, to me they I'm not sure what we're going to see honestly Ray because of because of those two injuries who knows maybe maybe they'll try to try to carve them up uh, with the pass but I think you're assuming that Kyle Shanahan would rather pass than run we and know I think, Kyle and wants I think to run. our evidence yeah is that he would rather run than pass because if you run the ball well you get to keep the ball for 40 minutes like they did last week and that means your defense can't possibly get tired because it's not on the field long enough to get tired. And when the 49er defense isn't tired, they're they're terrorists. So I, I just don't I don't see how Shannon's gonna go against all the things he believes with a third string quarterback as his guiding light. I just it it runs counter to everything we've seen from him. It runs counter to everything that the Bucks do well and do poorly. And it runs counter to the notion that you want to put your offensive game plan more in the hands of your quarterback than you do the running back that you traded 900 draft choices to get. Um, I believe we're going to have a surprise guest bottom of the hour. We're going to take a timeout right here. We're sponsored by Bed Bath & Beyond. I heard Dante Whitner say earlier this week, the 49ers, in his opinion, have a better shot to reach the Super Bowl with Brock Purdy than Jimmy Garoppolo. I'll throw that to Ray coming up next as we keep it rolling on a Friday. Larry Kruger in for Damon Bruce on this Friday on 95.7 The Game. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp and refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. Hope everybody's having a great Friday. Larry Kruger sitting in for Damon Bruce. He's getting a little off day. Uh, bottom of the hour, we'll uh, talk with our mystery guest, but um, we're talking a little 49ers right now. And if you want to chime in, feel free. Uh, the text line, the Xfinity mobile text line, 1-888-957-9570 if you want to jump in. Brock Purdy's starting against Tom Brady on Sunday. Wouldn't it be ironic if Brock Purdy beats Tom Brady on Sunday in his first NFL start? Um I, I I think Kyle Shanahan trusts Purdy more than he trusts Garoppolo. I think it's I think 
I think it's I think Garoppolo. I think Purdy's the most accurate quarterback they have. I think he sees the field the best. I think he probably is the smartest quarterback. I think Shanahan knows a lot about quarterbacking, and I think he sees what I see. Um, but Dante Whitner earlier this week said he thinks the Niners have a better shot to win the Super Bowl with Purdy over Garoppolo. Now, I mean, Garoppolo's been to a Super Bowl. He's been to multiple NFC Championship game, games. He's won an NFC Championship game. They've minimized him along the way. They threw, did throw 37 times last week with Purdy. Um, I don't know what to make of that, Ray. I mean, I, I want to get your thoughts on that. By the way, the betting markets as of this week have the 49ers as the fifth most popular team to win the Super Bowl, and the odds have not shifted dramatically as at least you think would think they would, going from you know a second quarterback to a third quarterback, they haven't. What, what's your read? Uh, because San Francisco is close to to Vegas, where the odds get made, there's always a lot of people betting the 49ers because they're a public team, right? So I don't make anything of that. Um, they've always been a public team. I mean, this year, going into the the NBA season, the Lakers were were the betting favorite. Not because they're any good, but because so many people in L.A. drive to Vegas and bet their favorite team. Most people bet their favorite team, you know, in, in preseason. They, and they'll keep betting them. And there's no reason to not bet the 49ers now. I mean, they're 8-4. and four. They give up like 15 points a game on defense. Yeah. I mean, the, the truth is, all the fascination with Brock Purdy, you know, help, tends to obscure the fact that this is a team that, Runs the ball and plays defense. That's what their strength is. And if you want to say they throw the ball more, well, Christian McCaffrey is this year's Swiss Army knife. You know, last year it was Debo Samuel. Um, Throwing I, it to McCaffrey and Debo underneath is almost the equivalent of the handoff. Essentially, yeah. It's, it's, it's an offshoot of the old Bill Walsh, uh, the way he used Roger Craig. That he would throw a bunch of short passes to him, and he basically said they're glorified runs. Um, so I don't make a lot of the thirty-seven passes. I just I don't. I think that's part of an incredibly small sample size against a not very good team, you know, and a team that, quite frankly, gave up the ball four times. I don't think that the 49ers will be the beneficiary of four turnovers on Sunday. I think it's going to be a tougher slog. And I think when it's a tougher slog, Kyle Shanahan tends to, you know, keep his cards closer to his vest. I don't think he has anything that he needs to prove with Brock Purdy or to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, you can stand this up any way you want. He's still their third choice at quarterback. And I don't know that we've ever seen Kyle Shanahan just go, Ah, screw it. Let's just throw the ball a hundred times, except that one time in, in New Orleans. I think he's figured out what his team is, and his team is the team he shows you every week. It's not the team that's going to throw 45 times. It's the team that's going to play ball control football with, you know, enough weapons that he can keep the ball all day if he wants to. So I is there, I, is it, is there a chance? That when you break down the traits of Brock Purdy, that he that he's a better fit for Kyle's offense than Trey or than Jimmy. And I say that simply because it seems like Shanahan, 
you know, they're, they're going to come out in a dizzying number of, you know, uh, formations and they're going to all kinds of personnel groupings and all kinds of wrinkles and there's pre-snap shifts and motions and it's a very, he wants his quarterback to be cerebral and accurate and see the field and have the ball come out on time, most of those passes underneath and take advantage of the run after the catchability of his weapons. Isn't it possible that Brock Purdy may have a skill set that fits Shanahan's offense better than those guys and really didn't get a shot just because one guy they invested a ton of draft capital in, the other guy they've has been a has been there, he's the established starter and Brock's the seventh round pick. It's possible, but it's not the way to bet. I mean, Brock Purdy is still the last guy picked in the draft until you see a body of work from him. And one game is not a body of work. What is? How many games? I would say four or five against differing kinds of opponents. So so you're, what you're saying is then that this final stretch of the season, which I think, what, there's five games left, six games left, if the Niners went on some run here, that that would be a good enough sample size to make an evaluation on as far as the future at the quarterback spot for the Niners it, and, and whatever role Purdy's going to play in it. Yeah, I, I think... What you know, let's say he's good but not great, he's probably going to be the third quarterback next year. They're still invested in Lance, but the wild card is not where Purdy fits in, it's where Lance fits in v Garoppolo because Garoppolo is still the guy who got him to this point, and Garoppolo is still the guy who's run this offense more often than anybody else. And they're still eight and four. And in the last, you know, three plus years, they're a six twenty-five football team. And no, Garoppolo isn't pretty, but he runs what Shanahan wants him to run. And when he get, and the only time he gets into trouble is when he gets a little goofy and decides, yeah, let's see if we can stretch the field a little bit. He's kind of known for the hugely negative play. But he's also, but that's and he's resilient people, after it. But, but that's, that's what people want to focus on. What he really is, he's a safety first guy on a safety first offense. I mean, Kyle Shanahan has designed this offense to be that. And he's been here long enough so that when you see him do something over and over again, you can presume that that's what he wants. I mean, he took a wild gamble with Lance that so far hasn't paid off. And it may never. If people can get this excited about Brock Purdy based on not quite one full game, what it tells me is that people here are easily amused. <laughs> well, I, it's, I mean, nobody... Or, or there's, a, there's, a, there's a feel to the game that you can see from Purdy that comes through the TV set but the here, here's the thing. I, I haven't been in the Niner Law. I've been doing the Niner pregame show for the last 10, 12 years. But because we operated mostly from the studio, I didn't really spend a lot of time during the week down there talking to the players. This year, I have. Um, they There's no concern from the players. Whether the mic's on, the camera's on. Whether the mic's not on, the camera's off. Whether you're talking on the record, off the record, whether you're whispering in the corner of the room or shouting in the middle of the room, there's no feeling in there 
that Brock's overwhelmed or that this is too much for him or that the team in any way has taken any step back in their goal of winning the championship, but which I think there would be if there was doubt in the room. And I think the players kind of know better than us, better than the coaches, better than the fans, like what, what they really have. No, they, I think here's they what they know. Something. I think they Here, feel like they have something. Here's what they know. They know that their defense is the best part of them. And Brock Purdy doesn't affect their defense. They understand at, at the sub-molecular level that this team is going to win based on what its defense does. And the quarterback's job, whether it's Purdy or Garoppolo, is to keep them out of trouble. I don't think they look at Brock Purdy as a disaster, but I don't think they look at him as a difference maker either. I think he's just, he's the guy who's got that job on a team where the quarterback is not the most important guy. And it's a, it's a rarity in football, I grant you. But that's the case here. Brock Purdy's job is not to screw up. That doesn't make him like the center of the universe. Center of the universe is on the other side of the ball. You know, and it's not just Bosa, but it's the unit. I mean, that's why they win games. That's why they're only, you know, allowing two touchdowns a game. You know, this is a defensive team. And as much as people love to talk about the quarterback, that's not the thing that got them to eight and four. No, I mean, it's it's totally true. Um, would you say, if I, if I said you have to choose one or the other, Brock Purdy's closer to Nick Mullins or closer to a special quarterback that they just happen to find in the seventh round? I'm going to duck it again because, again, we've only seen the one game against the team that gave the ball up four times and was beaten by halftime. I, want to, I need to see more because I don't have to be the first one to make that judgment. I know everybody else wants to be the first one to make right, that track. Right, right. You know, but you know, the the whole idea of the quarterback in this system at this time, and I'm talking about the last four years, is don't kill us. That's how the 49ers don't lose their the game. quarterback. Yeah. Don't lose the game. To me, that doesn't make you the difference maker. The difference maker on the offensive side of the ball is Christian McCaffrey. You know what? You said difference maker, and I thought, hmm, who's a true difference maker in San Francisco sports? You know what? How about Will Clark, the former Giant? And he's with us on the guest line. Will, thanks for a few minutes. Uh, Larry, Larry Kruger and Ray Ratto here. Uh, we appreciate your time. You're, not, you're hanging out in New Orleans today, enjoying, uh, enjoying a little offseason? I'm actually in uh, Baton Rouge. That's where I live, and so just hanging out and... Uh, now that you know everything sort of settled in for the off season, uh, just relaxing, enjoying it, and waiting for the holidays, and Christmas. Well, it's great to hear your voice, man. And um, you know, let's talk a little bit. Your thoughts on Aaron Judge? Judge came out today and said, "Hey, you know, he didn't want to surrender his legacy. Uh, he didn't want to choose dollars over legacy." And he felt like staying with the Yankees was, you know, the best thing for his legacy. What was your read on the whole pursuit of Aaron Judge? Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, the Giants, you know, gave it a go. But, uh, you know, to be totally honest and truthful, I mean, if the Yankees would have let Judge go after breaking that hollowed record that he broke this past year, it would have been a PR nightmare for them. So, uh, you know, with, even though Judge came out there to California, even though he's from Linden and all that sort of stuff, I really did not see him uh, leaving uh, New York, and uh, you know he signed a nice contract, and he's going to stay a Yankee. Uh, 
when you I don't know how much time you sort of lock into free agency in baseball um, but when you were when you were playing and those opportunities came up what were the things you were looking for uh, money the team you're going to uh, how did you prioritize the things that you looked for in a in in a place to go well, Ray, I wanted to uh, make sure that wherever I went, I had possibility to win. Um, you know, as you well know, and as Larry knows, I mean, over the course of a baseball season, you know, if you're winning, it makes for a lot of fun. It makes for a fast uh, and, and really, really happy season. If you're losing, it is the pits. And, uh, you know, so as far as you know, my free agency and stuff like that, I prioritize winning over anything else. Why is it, you think, Will, that the Giants have had a hard time attracting free agent hitters? Do you think hitters are look at the numbers and are afraid to hit at Oracle Park? Or um, what do you make of it? They have not been able to find themselves a free agent hitter of note and attract them to come here. Yeah, you know what, uh, Larry, I mean, I don't know. Um, you know, for me personally, and, and Ray knows this, I mean, you know, playing at Candlestick, it, it was it was a madhouse playing over there. But you had to become a better hitter in order to hit there. And uh, it's the same thing at Oracle. I mean, you know, you have to be a better hitter because there are certain nights where you hit ball in the air and you're not going you're not gonna have anything going up in the air. And so you have to become a better hitter. You have to work at your craft. And... You know, as far as the Giants are going, you know, I get what Farhan's doing. You know, I mean, he's he's trying to go out there and he's trying to, you know, get a name player and, and getting for, you know, a fairly decent price. But then on top of that, he's also trying to find, you know, lightning in a bottle. I mean, a perfect example would be like, you know, Mitch Hanniger. Uh, You know, Mitch has a lot of power. Uh, he's, he's had some uh, health issues as of late. And some of, some of the stuff is... You know that he's had problems with his freaky, but uh, at the same time, if you can get him out on the field and, and he can put together a really solid year, you know that's what Farhan's looking at doing is, is uh, you know finding lightning in the bottle. I don't know how much you pay attention to the hot stove market every year, but as you look at this year, if this is a fair question, what's the most interesting signing in your mind? You know what, Ray? Uh, to be totally honest, I really don't follow the hot stove as, as probably much as I should. Uh, my big thing uh, that I follow, and it's because you know I'm so involved in the organization, is I follow who uh, you know we're picking up Rule Five or we're losing Rule Five, and uh, we lost you know eight minor leaguers uh, this last week, and three of them I was really high on. So. Uh, you know, it's just part of the game. So that's that's kind of what I pay attention to. I pay attention to our own organization. And as far as the hot stove type of stuff, you know, I'll leave that to the guys that, uh, you know, that's their job. And, uh, and that's what they get paid for is to follow that stuff. Well, toward that end, um, did you guys lose so many guys that you're, you're in – significantly worse shape in the minor leagues than you thought you'd be were were you expecting to lose as many players as you did i was i was not expecting uh to lose this many players but basically these guys had to have a spot on the triple a roster and if they didn't have a spot then they would be opened up 
to uh, you know rule five draft or you know free agency where somebody else could come get them. And uh, you know, like I said, there were three guys that I was I was really high on uh, that were in double A and in high A ball, and and we wound up losing them. But you know, that's kind of the nature of the beast. But then. You know, they protected, you know, Marco Luciano and Luis Matos and, and people like that. So so they did protect some of our, you know, top prospects. And on top of that, to answer the second part of your question, uh, our minor league system has really been coming on strong the last few years, and we still have a lot of talent in our minor league system. And that's one thing, you know, if I got to... If I get to give Farhan a, a heads up, is hey, don't be afraid to promote from within because we have a lot of talent coming up. You don't have to go outside our organization to find talent. Armani Smith was a name that I that I had seen uh, that I thought you know kind of highly of. What, what's your thought on Carlos Correa? It sounds like the Giants are all in on Correa. Will John Paul Morosi says they met the Giants met with his representatives this week. They're saying they may they may go ten years, eleven years. I mean that just that's a long time. But what do you think of Correa as a player? What do you think of a ten or eleven year commitment to a free agent? Yeah, I mean you know. That's kind of the way the sport's going now. But you know, for me personally, and, and Ray knows this because he followed. You know, when when we were coming up and stuff. You know, I, I was not a big fan of anything over five years. So you know, I mean, you know, there's there's too much that can happen in a ten year span of time, much less five. So you know, I'm not a big fan of these long drawn out you know ten year contracts. Um, you know, the the other part of that question is you know as far as Correa. Correa is a great player. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, you know he's he's got a lot of good years ahead of him. But then we also got you know Brandon Crawford, who's you know a consummate Gold Glover. And you know I, I know Brandon. I know him extremely well, and he wants to bounce back. You know from his offensive season this last year, and uh, you know prove that he still has it too as well. So you know if you know they do go out and sign Correa, well then what's Crawford got to do? He's got to suck it up and go to third base. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, next few weeks and see where this organization goes. Uh, You sort of brought up where I thought I wanted to go here, which is what do you do with Brandon Crawford? Is third base the only place that he can go? Is he a credible everyday designated hitter? I mean, what I mean, you're you're not going to, you know, you're certainly not going to cut him or trade him. Uh, no. What do they do with him if they decide to land Correa? And how much do you think Crawford's place on the roster affects how hard the Giants go after Correa? You know what? Um, so this would be this would be my theory behind that. Ray would be, you know, if they do go after Correa, all right. Not only does you know you got to have a talk with Crawford about playing third because. Because you cannot waste him. You can't put him as a DH. Peterson's going to be DH, and then some of the other guys that are on the bench are going to be DH. So, you know, Crawford's going to want to play every day. He's an everyday guy. So, you know, you got to talk to him about playing third and maybe even shortstop. Uh, excuse me, I'm second, second base. I'm sorry. Um, you know, maybe get a look, a little different look from the other side of the diamond. Another thing, too, is uh, if you're going to go after Correa, talk to him about maybe playing a little third and flip-flop back and forth, you know. Uh, Crawford played two games at short, Correa two games at third, and then flip-flop. You know, so there's, there's a way to keep both of those guys in the lineup at the same time. 
you know, Will, I know you, you referenced, you know, that you'd be looking to to win if you were a free agent. What is the Giants' pitch right now? They were a 500 team uh, this year. There's there's probably a lot of skepticism whether they're going to win uh, in 2023. What what do you think's their pitch, or what would what would be your pitch if you were pitching uh, to free agents for them? Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> the bottom line of baseball is pitching and defense wins games. That's the bottom line. And, you know, if you look at the Giants, you know, that's that was the backbone of our three world championship teams was pitching and defense. And on top of that, you know, we're a year removed from 107 wins. So, you know, the pedigree is there. We just need to get to go out on the field and execute. And, you know, we had quite a bit, as you guys well know, we had quite a bit of injuries to the pitching staff. But that's the one thing about San Francisco that is attractive if you're on the free agent market is, hey, look, I can go there and I can lower my ERA. I got good defense behind me, you know, and and you've got a possibility to win quite a few ball games. I mean, look at a look at a Carlos Rondon. Look what he did. You know, that's just one one way to look at it. But then, uh, you know, on top of that is just the fact that if you throw up a bunch of zeros on the board as far as pitching and defense-wise, I'll find a way to score a run for you. And uh, that's what the Giants have done in the past, and that should be where they're going in the future. couple last ones for you, Will, before we let you go, and we do appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks for stopping by. Give me one hitter in the minors right now that if Farhan called you and said, Will, give me one guy that, that you're so excited about that you would just not want to trade. Who's at the top of that list? Is there one hitter? You know, I think you know as much about hitting as anybody. Is there a one hitter that you really like? Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt, it's a gentleman by the name of Vaughn Brown. We got him in the 10th round out of, uh, I want to say Central Florida, South Florida, one of them. And uh, big kid, 6'2", 6'3", uh, can flat out fly, plays the game the right way, is a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, he went from low A to high A to double A last year and and really kind of like opened up a bunch of eyes. I saw Vaughn uh, three times last year, and I was very, very happy at what I saw. So that would be number one. Uh, number two, uh, if I give you a little dark horse, is a, a gentleman by the name of Casey Schmidt. Casey uh he had a decent year at San Jose a few years ago, and then last year he had a breakout year in high A and then wound up in double A. He is a gold glove third baseman right now, without a shadow of a doubt. This boy can flat out pick it, and he's starting to come around as far as offensively. So those are two prospects right there from the offensive side that the Giants do need to pay attention to. We're talking to Will Clark, former Giant great, and uh, Will was out here for the 22 retirement num- uh, the ceremony this summer. I thought your speech, man, was just awesome. And, and I think all Giants fans felt that way. It was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was maybe the highlight of the season, and that's that speaks a little bit about what that season was like as well, but it was an incredible night, and congratulations on that. But i got to ask you about 94, because you had a, you know, 93 was a great Giant team. They won 103. It wasn't your best year, but you got really hot and helped carry the team down the stretch. And then you signed with the Rangers. I was wondering what you remember about that winner's negotiations and and how tough was it for you to to leave the Bay Area, your only Bay Area home? They drafted you out of Mississippi State. How difficult was it for you to depart? Yeah, it was it was really tough. Um, so, you know, 
basically the whole season during 93, I was trying to sign an extension. And, uh, you know, I, t- I told them, I told the Giants, uh, you know, that, hey, look, you know, I'll take a lot less money to give me tenure. You know, if you give me four or five years, I'll take a lot less money because I wanted to go out as a Giant. And uh, I was basically told uh, you need to check the free agent market. And so, you know, kind of the writing was on the wall. Uh, when I did have some offers, I had a five-year deal from Baltimore, and I also had a five-year deal from Texas. And I went back to the Giants, and I asked them again about, you know, stepping up, and they would only give me two years, and they, they wouldn't pay anything out the ordinary. And so uh, they kind of forced my hand. So, you know, you, you, you pick up the pieces, you move on, you understand that baseball is a business. And, uh, I mean, you guys see it now. I mean, I mean, that's what we're talking about right now. We're talking about free agents and little fives. and all. I mean, Baseball is a business. And the loyalty end of things sometimes goes out the window. Matter of fact, not sometimes, a lot of times it goes out the window. But, uh, you know, it's just the fact that it took me a few years, uh, but I was able to come back to the Giants in 2008, and I will never leave now. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, I think a lot of Giants fans are thrilled that you're a part of the organization. I know you've had an impact on Brandon Belt. You think Belt comes back for another year, or do you think he moves on in free agency? That is the $10 question right now. I mean, you know, I mean, I love Brandon to death. Don't get me wrong. He plays the same position I do. But Brandon has not put together a full year of playing baseball in a very long time. And, uh, you know, to, to spend... You know what they did last year, which is 19 million on Brandon, and not get a not get a full season out of him. Uh, you might have to look elsewhere. Last one I got for you, Will, and we really do appreciate your time. You know, Mad Dog Russo was talking about uh, the Giants, and his whole take from the winter meetings was, man, the Giants did something really dangerous. They they flirted with Aaron Judge, they teased their fans, and they did it after a year where attendance was down dramatically, and the team had to really rally in September to finish 500, and he kind of viewed it as a risky move. What would you say to Giants fans right now who are frustrated? You know, they're frustrated with the leadership, they're frustrated with the way the offseason's gone, uh, they're frustrated they didn't get Aaron Judge. You know, you, you, you're a little bit more privy to the internal workings of the organization. What would you say to try to lift them up? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, the one thing the one thing about baseball, you know, and people try to do this all the time. You guys do it, and, and a lot of the fans do it. They look at it from a numbers standpoint and, and stats and all that sort of stuff. The only way you figure out baseball is when you go out there on the field and you do it and you prove it. And, uh, you know, the big problem that major league teams have and it's because of the grind um is injuries and if we can keep our pitching staff healthy playing in oracle ballpark we're going to be fine and that's my message to the fans the giants fans out there we keep everybody healthy we'll be fine i promise you hey will happy holidays to you and the family thanks for jumping on with me and ray today on short notice i really appreciate you and uh, we'll talk to you soon Hey, Larry, I appreciate it. Ray, you uh, have a nice day. You too. There we go. Will Clark, former Giant Great, uh, stopping by. A lot of interesting stuff there. We are presented by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, and no compromises. All right, we got more straight ahead. Uh, we were going to... Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're, we're going to continue on here. What do you think? What do you think? It was some interesting stuff there from Will. What do you remember about Will's departure? Because I kind of felt like Will was the alpha 
in the Giants clubhouse until 93, Ray. They brought in Bonds. I think Bonds sort of, sort of became the alpha. I think Will seemed uncomfortable that year. He may have been in a little slight in decline. He didn't have a great year, but he had a great September. Um, and then Giants fans didn't want to see him leave in free agency, but he, you know, he, the Giants prioritized Robbie Thompson over Will, re-signed Robbie, and let Will go to Texas. What were your recollections of it back in the day? Because I know, you were you covering the Giants as a beat writer that year? No, not that year. I'd already moved on. But I thought him leaving was sort of a fait accompli because they never showed a ton of interest in bringing him back, you know, for for a long stretch. And I knew of at least three teams that would go four years for him and the two that he mentioned who would go five. And he would have been a fool to stay as much as he wanted to. You don't leave that many years and that much money on the table. I don't know how much him not being the alpha in the clubhouse mattered. Um, he, he, you know, and I don't believe he run his course. He still could have been a useful player here, but he said it himself. It's a business. And the business told him it's time to move. And he ultimately did because... The Giants didn't want to commit long term to him. He was, you know, now on the on the backside of thirty, um, and you know, I don't even know that it was a matter of him or Thompson. I think they just they they viewed him as a guy who's it's going to be two more years with him. You know, he doesn't look like a guy who's going to make it. You know, you know, last till he's thirty five or thirty six, and they. They made a hard choice, and I think they made it fairly early. The Giants have had... I mean, I started watching the Giants in the mid-'70s. Grew up in the sunset. Dad took took me out there, like, 74, 75. They basically always had a star. You know, Willie Mack, Jack Clark, Chili Davis, the hack man. Um, and and those, some of those stars were not epic stars, but they, they, had, a, they had a headliner. Then, in, you know, 85, Will, then Matt Williams... Kevin Mitchell came over in 87, in July of 87. Uh, Bonds in 93. They rode that into, you know, almost into Lincecum and, and to, uh, into Buster Posey. How much do you think the fan, the baseball fan in Northern California who, you know, supports the Giants, how much do they need a star attraction? Or is that a media creation and it's really, people would just, they just want a winner and as long as they win, it doesn't matter if they're a bunch of no-names uh, or if there's somebody with, you know, a brand name. Um, they, they do like stars, but... Does that mean we're not a sophisticated baseball market that we need a star? No, it means that you want what you want, but... The Giants did not have stars in 2010. They became stars having won. Posey. I mean, they had Posey. But Posey wasn't a star yet. I mean, he was a good catcher, but, you know, he wasn't, you know, let's go to the ballpark and see Buster Posey. He wasn't gate attraction, yeah. No. I mean, the fact is, baseball crowds, and this is not just San Francisco, but everywhere, it's... They're slow to warm up to you, and they're slow to cool. It took a while for the Giants to catch on in 2010. And it was simply because nobody nobody quite believed in them yet. You know, they seemed like, you know, sort of this weird kind of 
pitching and defense centric island of misfit toys. And then Sabian made the 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 trade deadline deals that got them Burl and Cody, Cody Ross, Ross and, which was actually a block, right? They were, weren't they trying to block Cody from going to the pods? Is it essentially the yeah. irony of I mean, that? He just, became the NLCS but, MVP. You know, they all turned out to be really helpful down the stretch. Yeah, and that's when stars get made. Nobody thought Marco Scudero was a big deal, right? And they then he catches that pop up in the rain, and now he's like part of the lore. It's you know you can you can make noise with stars, but. There's nothing worse than having a star who doesn't deliver what you think he's going to deliver. And by that, I mean a parade. Because that's where the bar is set for these guys now. Even last year when they won 107, they didn't draw that great for a Giants team. And part of that was COVID, absolutely. But part of it was, who do you glom onto? Now, this year, you know, had they started off well and stayed going well... They'd have gotten a lot of those crowds back. But, you know, they hit that dead spot in May and people went, oh, they're not they're not going to be the same thing again. And giant fans are like most baseball fans in most markets, notorious front runners. They won't go to the park and boo you. They'll just not go to the park. And you saw that as time went on. This was a you know, they lost about eight hundred thousand in attendance. Uh, they had, I think, like their second worst crowd ever at a game this year. Um, if you can't win, you'd better have a star. But Bill Vex said this a long time ago. You great, win without a star. Promoter with the White Sox. Yeah, for years. you you win. You, you can win without a star, and you'll draw X. If you win with a star, you'll draw two X. But you have to win first because a star that doesn't help you win. Stops being a star. He becomes a disappointment. I didn't hear your show after uh, Judge, you know, didn't basically said no to the Giants. What, what was your take on that? I mean, do you think that he ever really wanted to come to the Giants, or do you think he just kind of leveraged them and used them for to get $150 more million out of the Yankees? I think they ran, they ran an educated gamble that... The Yankees were only going to be motivated when somebody else motivated them. And that's sort of what happened. I mean, the Giants were going to have to come in so far over the top that the Yankees would have to walk away. And let's say, hypothetically, if they'd come in, come in at 10 years and $40 million, right? I think the Yankees walk away from that. But... I think the Giants thought that 360 would be enough because the Yankees' original offer at the beginning of the year... 315? Was, yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I think the Giants thought, oh, th this will be plenty good to get him. So you think he was serious about coming here? No. No, you don't. I think he had a clear preference from the start. If the Giants had the best offer by a significant margin, he'd have... Do you think if the Giants came strong but, earlier with ten, with ten years, four hundred million, would they have gotten him? No, because they were going to let the process play out to see how close to four hundred million the Yankees were going to go. I mean, don't forget the the Padres. Was that wise though? Shouldn't they have known that they would have to dramatically outbid the Yankees and they would almost need to blow the but, blow a judge's representatives out of the water with an yeah, offer that was so will, but huge? You, but you don't know what will blow them out of the water. 
don't forget the Barry Zito deal where they overpaid by $46 million over his next best offer, which was from the Mets. And they, they kicked themselves often about that. Um, I think they thought 360 was going to be the best bid. Um, I think they might have maybe underestimated, you know, how, how significantly the, the Yankees wanted to keep Judge. Or I think they overinflated the notion that Judge might be unhappy in New York. Ultimately, they I think they made the best bid they thought could get them. But I think when the Yankees came back and said, eh, now we, we can do 360. Um, I think they ended up holding the short end of the bag. And the other tip-off, when the Padres came in at 400, they didn't... They, Judges people didn't even snap at it. So maybe $400 million doesn't get it done either. No, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, next segment, I mean, well, first of all, we're going to talk a little Warriors. Steve Kerr is going to join us in about an hour. Uh, we're presented by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, no compromises. Up next, I want to get into one like a question on the, on the free agent thing on the baseball front. Why... Are, I mean, so far, the Giants have gotten blown off. Uh, Xander Bogertz lost him to the Padres. Nemo, the loss to the Mets. Kenley Jansen, they had interest in. They lost him to the Red Sox. They lost Judge to the Yankees. They lost Bellinger to the Cubs. Are the Giants losing these free agent pursuits? What is the number one reason for it? Is it the ballpark, the dimensions? Is it San Francisco politics? Is it Kapler? Is it the roster? Is it the lack of the, the perception that they're not a contender? I want to get raised thoughts. Is it me? Yeah. Is it me possibly just, my overwhelming you. negativity that has surrounded this team? No, but 888-957-9570. If you're a Giants fan, what do you, the Giants been shut out so far for the most part. Why? Why have they been shut out outside of Mitch Hanniger? What is the number one reason? Is it Kapler? Is it the roster? What is it? 1-888-957-9570 on 95.7 The Game. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. <laughs> 